Welcome back to another edition of the Wolverine.com TV podcast. My name is Chris Ballas. With me, Elliot Gould and his brother, Greg Schiller. So uh, <laughs> has anybody told you Jeff? Jeff is M Hoops 1 on the message I, board. And uh, has anybody ever told you Greg way, he looks yeah. like Elliot Gould? Yes, yeah, I've, I've heard it, yes. yes. Uh, there's, a, there's a resemblance. Better known, and, and Rachel, is, uh, better known as Rachel Green's father on, or the other one, Monica's father on Friends. Yes, go exactly. ahead. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and that's not an insult, Jeff. Uh, handsome movie star, obviously. So there yeah. you go. You got that. You got that going for you, which is nice. So Greg Schiller, GS Blue on the board. <laughs> Jeff Schiller, M Hoops One, two of the better basketball minds on our board. And guys, uh, what an interesting game last night, man. It was. Uh, there were times, and it's kind of like the basically the way this season has gone. I'll start with you, Jeff. Where. Uh, you're never really sure what you're going to get. It, it's predictably unpredictable, and at the end of the at the end of the game, either way, you need a cigarette or a drink because uh, you're going to be happy. You're going to be happy and relieved. Uh, you, you aren't really sure what to feel. At the end of the day, though, uh, any road win, especially at Iowa, where they've been few and far between, uh, is a great win. No, it was a great win. One thing I will say is, you're absolutely right, Chris. It is an incredibly inconsistent team. But the one thing that's been very good in the last month or so is that we have learned to take punches and make those games end-of-the-game games. When we played early in the season against North Carolina or against UCF or against Arizona or even against Minnesota, we'd get hit and those games wouldn't be two, three, four-point games at the end. They'd be 12, 15-point games at the end going the other way because once we started to unravel, we never got it back. Yep, and, and we being course, Michigan, of course. We being Michigan, right? so <laughs> Jeff, well, and, Jeff's fandom is getting in the way of the game. And of course, the one thing that's changed, Chris, over that last week for Michigan, last week, last month for Michigan, is the defensive sets. Once everything gets away from Michigan, it happened a little bit last night on fast break baskets in the last two and a half minutes. But it started in that game at Illinois without Hunter. It started around then, where even against Penn State, which has turned out to be a pretty good road win. They bought their defensive sets every night, and kudos to the coaching staff. I had not seen a 2-3 matchup played like this, which goes from 2-3 matchup to man to 2-3 matchup in the same set, and they are fooling other teams into taking tough shots. And Iowa, whatever Iowa's issues are in defense, they are a very good offensive team. They struggled on everything away from the rim last night, and that's kudos to Michigan's defense. They bought it every time, and even against Ohio State in that loss, they bought their defensive sets, and that's going to keep them around with those two bigs playing. And that, and they struggled at the rim last night, Jeff. They missed about yeah, yeah. two or three dunks, and they were yeah. contested at times. One of them wasn't, but uh, and you need some of those at times. We've seen games this year where Hunter Dickinson has missed shots that he would normally make in his sleep, probably six or seven at the rim, and it happens, right? So we saw it last night, but I do love the way they're playing defensively, Jeff. And they've gone from, I think, 108 or something in defensive efficiency to 72 after last night. And the job they did last night, I thought, uh, was one of their better ones. They still gave up some points, but I liken it to Michigan's football's defense against Ohio State. They gave up 396 yards, 27 points, but well below their average. They, they're much better. I mean, the last three games Michigan has played against teams in the top 15 in offense, and every one of those games they played pretty well. Uh, not perfect, and the transition defense broke down in the last three minutes after being really good for the first 36 or 37. But Overall, yeah, there were some breaks. On the other hand, the other side of things was Michigan's up 10 with three minutes to go, and Michigan misses two bunny putbacks at the rim. 
Iowa comes down and gets a three-point play, and it's a five-point swing. Yeah, and one of them was contested, Greg, uh, yeah, where yeah. I thought that Musa went back up, uh, you know, with two guys on him, maybe get that thing back out. Uh, but that's yeah. something that comes with experience. And the only thing I was going to say was, is let's give the credit where credit is due. The thing that was killing Michigan earlier in the year was wing offense. Um, Michigan has nobody between six foot and six eight. I'm I'm still a huge Caleb Houston believer, but not on the defensive end at this point. There's no Franz Wagner's, there's no Livers, there's none of those guys from last year who could shut down an opponent's wing. So you got Diabati playing the wings against Liddell. You have him playing last night against Murray. That's going to be tough. So the guards have played so much better defensively. Eli Brooks, had the last four or five games, has been fantastic on the defensive end. Devontae Jones, who has taken a lot of shots on our board for his quickness issues, has played really well defensively, took a huge charge last night at the end of the game, and has played really well. And I don't, didn't think I'd tell you this a week ago, Kobe Bufkin played defensively really well last night after being on a highlight film a week and a half ago for losing guys on the way to the basket. So give them credit. The coaching staff has got some guys who have improved their games on that end of the court. Jeff, what's, in your opinion, what's been the biggest difference defensively in watching this team? Over I, Obviously, the 2-3 the matchup zone, uh, I don't know whose idea that was, but it's been fantastic. And guys seem to be buying in, and they seem to be knowing, seem to know their roles a little bit better. I think that's right. I think some of it's a little bit of experience. Musa is a guy who came out of high school as a five, and is playing four and is guarding threes, and that's a very tough assignment, particularly in the Big Ten, when you've got three wings who are going to be top ten picks in the draft: Murray and Davis and Ivy, and that gets very difficult to guard. And He's getting some experience in terms of understanding what to do and how to uh, hold his ground and how to make people pivot out and do things like that. You remember in the game against Minnesota, he got torched by Minnesota's small wing guys. And that's just a natural progression. Uh, as Greg said, Devonta Jones is much better defensively than he was earlier in the season. I think maybe that's a function because he's the same, same athlete but I think it's a function of knowing the system better and knowing where to be. If you know where to be, you play. John Beeline used to call it playing on tape delay. And when you're not playing on tape delay and you're playing uh, reacting rather than thinking first, you're going to be quicker. And they managed to get, when they are playing man, Eli in good matchups, not against people who were 6'5 and could just shoot over him, but against ball handlers, and he's played great. Yeah, and, and Devontae. Yeah, can I just add real quickly? Sure. Last night's defensive effort was without our best wing our Michigan's best wing defender, Terrence Williams, who would have had a lot of minutes on Murray last night had he been there. So, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, and uh, I got to tell you, Devontae Jones, for all the heat that he's taken on the board, like you said, okay, two double doubles in the last three games, really yeah. getting after it on the glass. And, and I love that, number one. Um, when you've got big guys that are boxing out and then leave the guards to go get the rebounds that's something that they used to do under beeline as well um go clean it up he's been outstanding in that role he even had a put back on the offensive end last night yeah. number two with the ball he's been so much more decisive and i think he's kind of figured out his role guys and when to attack and you know yeah. when the shot is there the set shot like you guys said um but he just looks so much more in control and more confident and more comfortable i think that we were spoiled last year with mike smith coming in there and he had a he had like an instant connection with Hunter Dickinson. Most of the time, guys, whether it's a first-year guy, a freshman, or a veteran, uh, it takes some time. 
to gel. And uh, I think we've kind of finally seen it. And we're Greg, we're finally expect, seeing what we expected out of Devontae Jones at this point of the year. And, and to his credit, and again, the board has pointed this out more than I have, but think of who he had to come into play with. He was able to go over high screen roles and not have to rely just on Hunter down low. He had three pros playing with him on the wing. He had Wagner, he had Livers, and he had Shondi Brown, all of whom are playing in the pros right now, all yep. of whom are playing on NBA teams, all who could make three-point shots. When you know, Shondi was Shondi, and when he got hot, it was fun, wonderful to watch. But when you go over the high screen roles that is everybody's staple from grade school all the way up, and you don't have a wing who's shooting it well right now, it put a lot of pressure on Devontae to make some other decisions. That doesn't mean Caleb's not going to be that guy, but Mike Smith came into a little bit better situation with three wings who were pros as opposed to what Devontae came into this year. And credit to him and credit to the team. And again, to Juwan for adjusting that whole game set where Jeff and I have talked about this way, way too much, um, Elliot Gould, is that you're in a situation where every situation, every time Hunter touched the ball in the post is a good offensive set. Every time. That's a whole different offense. And he is fantastic at it. I've not seen anybody do it like him. He is fantastic at it. That's another adjustment they made. So kudos to them. And then on the flip side, Jeff, go ahead. Another thing is because Devontae has gotten better, Hunter sees the ball more in the post because they were having a lot of problems early in the year finding him in the post because people were even double teaming him before he caught the ball and making other guys beat them. When Devontae Jones plays better, it opens a lot of things up. And the other thing they've done, the adjustment they've made, is bringing Hunter out to play a fair amount of moments at the high post or the elbow so that uh, Devontae can work down well. Chris, can I say yeah. one more thing? Have you ever seen it? You've been watching it for a while. Jeff is older than both of us. He followed the Joel Thompson days and everything like that. The best guy out of the post I ever saw, because no team double teams the post right away. They wait till you put the ball on the floor, then they run a double team at Hunter. I thought Weber was the best. Juwan was fantastic, by the way. Weber was the best yep. I ever saw at it. Dickinson keeps his dribble alive and always makes the right pass. It's amazing. Not just a cross-court pass. He'll go back. They'll repost. I haven't seen anybody do this, and to Hunter Dickinson's credit, he came out as last year not able to do so many things he can do this year. Again, kudos to the coaching staff, but kudos to him for working on his game. He's as good as that. I thought Teske was pretty good a couple years ago, catching and finding yeah. the right man. Dickinson's as well as I've seen. Have you seen any better? He's gotten better. Uh, I think last yeah. year he struggled, and in talking to Absolutely. Phil Martelli about it, he said there's no reason that he should be getting four turnovers a game. And sometimes he panicked when guys came out at him. And I think he's gotten a ton better on it this year, with the exception of that one-handed pass that he tried oh, to make boy. on the baseline oh, down the stretch. And I'm going to give – I'm going to say that was fatigue-related because, I, I mean, that was a brain do. fart in the half. Yeah. So – but – um, here's the thing. When you've got that height on just about everybody you play, you keep that ball high, and if teams double you, uh, you see over everybody. That's another thing that Beeline always used to say. You know, and we and you know what? People get mad at us for talking about John Beeline so much. I'm not going to apologize for talking about a Hall of Fame coach and the things that he said over 12 years. It'd be like if Moeller were coaching and you were still talking about Bo. It happens, right? It doesn't mean that we are saying anything negative about Juwan Howard, but what Beeline always used to say is, hey, Take your time. You can see over people. You can find the open guy. He's gotten better and better at that. His turnovers are going down as a result. The one thing, Jeff, I think more than anything, he's kind of rushing his finishes at times. And there have been – I mean, it was automatic last year. 
this year, I think with the added attention, uh, I'm not calling it panic, but he seems to be rushing things a little bit on the offensive line at times, and he's still outstanding. Don't get me wrong. I think that's right, but I think part of that too is fatigue. He's playing 34, 35 minutes a game. That's a huge amount of minutes for a kid that size. I, I don't remember kids that size playing that much for Michigan in the past. Even the great ones, even the Webers and the Howards. When when Weber and Howard were playing, there was always an Eric Riley or somebody like that to come in and give them seven, eight minutes a game. Dickinson's playing more than that, and he is the focal point. When Dickens, you saw last night from about the 13-minute mark of the first half to about the nine-minute mark when they tried to give Hunter Dickinson a rest because they needed to, and the offense went under. And then late in the first half, when they took him out and brought in folds, the offense again went under. They have a very hard time when Hunter Dickinson is not in the game at this point. I think that will get better with time. Bufkin looks better. I think Caleb Houston will be a better player. And Diabate was terrific. But right now, they're so dependent on Hunter Dickinson that I think he gets to the end of the game and he's just beat up. I think so. Greg, i got to ask you about Brandon Johns because, uh, you know, boy, the regression this year. We were hoping that he would take that next step and he'd be consistent and kind of what we saw in the tournament, even though he had, I think, the big goose egg and rebounds against UCLA. But I guess the way you have to look at it now is that anything you get from him is a bonus? Yeah, I, I feel like at the offensive end, it's just you know, one of these things. If he makes his first shot, he if he makes his first shot at the rim, some of the things. I will go back to the idea that on the defensive end, even when his offensive game is struggling, he has bought it against Liddell. He bought it against um, before that at Penn State. But it's just unfortunate to watch. And that's, again, where the problem comes in. We've read things about Jace Howard on the board. We've read things. If you have somebody, and that's Frankie too, unfortunately, you have to have five guys in the offensive end who at least can pr- produce. And right now, it's it's good Brandon, Brad Brandon. I still have the confidence that he's going to come out and do some of the things he did. He hits his first corner three. He's a better player. He loses a little bit of confidence when he misses that first shot. And we still have the confidence in him, but he hasn't played in the second half in the last two or three games. And I think that's a, a sign that right now his confidence isn't there. Still got some games to go, so let's keep the faith, right? Yeah, and here's the interesting thing, Jeff, is that last night Caleb Houston 0 for 5 from yeah. three-point range gave them essentially nothing. He gave them six points, and yet you still win at Iowa. Uh, and I think that's uh, a positive that this team has not reached its peak yet. I think that's pretty clear. We've seen it when it is uh, against Purdue at home. They were a step ahead of Purdue, and granted, Purdue was playing this, what, third game in five days the way Michigan was against Ohio State. But we've seen the ceiling for this team, and I think that's what's kind of – maddening for some people is that man you know why can't it all click at the same time but then you look around the big 10 and there's yeah. not one team that's playing at such a high clip uh, the entire season it's just not realistic no and frankly if you look around the country there really isn't a team last year you watch basketball and you saw baylor and you and you saw gonzaga and you said those teams are miles ahead of everybody else at the time michigan was the number three team in the country and only if you were an extreme homer would you have picked Michigan to beat Baylor in a semifinal matchup. It just wasn't going to happen. There is nobody that I have watched this year, and I watch far too much college basketball for my own team. Yes, you do. Yes, I do. Who, who, who scares <laughs> me? And they really don't. I've seen Auburn. I've seen Kentucky. I've seen 
uh, Kansas and Baylor and Gonzaga, and they're all good, don't get me wrong, but they're not great. They're not what teams were last year. They just aren't. And Chris, and Chris if I can add, I, I went to the other night to the Northwestern-Purdue game, and um, Ed Hightower was there, by the way, Chris, just so you know, is a good old name out of the past. And um, Purdue refuses to play its two bigs together, Edie and um, um, Williams. Williams. Right, Jeff? Yeah, yeah, Edie and Williams, right? They don't play them together, which I don't understand why, but that Matt Painter is a great coach and obviously has his reasons. They don't play two bigs together. Boy, that game against Purdue and some of the runs we had last night against Iowa with both bigs in the game, when they're on, that's a scary team to face if they make the tournament, if both bigs are playing like they did against Purdue, moving the ball both offensively and defensively. So Yeah. I, you know, I got to ask you. Jeff, who, who's the best team in the Big Ten right now? Is it Purdue? Oh, is it what? Illinois? Because Illinois gets beat by Rutgers, and you look at the way Rutgers is playing. I wouldn't. I, you know what? That game at home is a huge game. It is. Jeff. Every single game that we play at this point, Michigan plays, uh, can be lost. And every single game that Michigan plays can be won. Uh, Purdue is scary offensively if they get it going, but Purdue is very susceptible to a team with a big who can float away from the basket because their bigs cannot. Yep. It's susceptible to a team like Michigan that has a second guy who can try to take somebody away from the basket and then go in and post like Dibate can. And if they're not shooting well, there's no point guard other than, than Ivy who is not doesn't have great floor vision to, to drive and create for other people. Illinois has guys, and Colbert's a moose, but if their guys aren't shooting well, they have the same problems Purdue has. Ohio State doesn't have a great deal of size or a great deal of number of scorers if Liddell isn't on. Uh, Wisconsin's been living on the edge all year, as has Michigan State. And then you get to the second group. Uh, Rutgers Rutgers has beat four quad one teams in a row. They've also lost at home to Lafayette. And the four games before they won, they lost to Northwestern. They lost to Minnesota. They lost to uh, uh who was it? Uh, was it Penn State? And they, and they beat Nebraska by two. So they they have the ability to, to get very high and very low very quick. Oh no, Maryland, not Penn State. But they have the ability to get very high and very low very quickly. At their best, Chris, I think Purdue's probably still the best team in the Big Ten because when Ivy plays like he can play, and Williams and Edie, and boy, they have a couple quick point guards too. And again, Stefanovic has to be hot. Purdue's probably on their best night, the best team in the Big Ten. But, boy, up on Northwestern by four with 10 seconds to go. Maybe should have lost to Maryland at home the other day after being blown out by Michigan. And at the end of the Maryland-Purdue game was, was pretty interesting. I mean, I, there's not one team in the Big Ten that you can say going into the Big Ten tournament is the favorite. It's going to be an interesting tournament for sure this year. It, the, the, oh, the am fun, I crazy? Go ahead, Jeff. The funny thing about it is, there is not an unreal possibility that any team, including a team like Michigan, could no. get hot and win the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, because yeah. there's nobody that is a necessary roadblock standing in the way. Right. Am I crazy to think that uh, Greg that Michigan can go into Wisconsin and win? And we've seen, like we said, uh, Michigan State. They go into Michigan State and they win by ten, or I think, or six or eight, and then they. But after that's after getting beat by Michigan State at home. Penn State plays them to fifty-one to forty-nine. Yeah. I think if Michigan plays as hard and as as it did uh, against Iowa, uh, and they've got a couple days rest here, I think there's a shot. I, I think there's a definite shot, and you know, again, you have to get past the flagrant 
Davidson fouls, which we will. And, you know, and you have to be on, on the play, playing as tough as you can. They have another wing, though, who Moose is going to have to guard, and that's Davis, who is fantastic. I mean, he's a pro. A longtime NBA guy, Tim Vernon, was talking about how he went from the second round to the first round. And I have to say it again, Moose is going to have to guard him, stay out of foul trouble, and do that. But shooting four for 20 last night at Iowa and when you think a couple of those threes are going to go down, I think they have a chance. However, this is an interesting game in that every one of us, when the three of us talk, and again, Jeff calls me constantly. I try not to call him, but talk about what we need to do here. It's, you know, we need Michigan needed one of these two games, clearly. They got their one. And so if they lose to Wisconsin, they still need that one of the next two games for Michigan, right? At Wisconsin home against Rutgers. And they're in pretty good shape. They're in pretty good shape. But I agree with you, Chris. At Wisconsin is going to be a, a chance, depending on how they take Wisconsin's punches and, and move forward because they're going to have those runs. Jeff? Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Wisconsin has a bunch of guys who feed off of Johnny Davis. If Johnny Davis does play well, Wisconsin has a very difficult time scoring. Johnny Davis is terrific, but yeah. he's had games where he struggles. And the key is to, to, to get Michigan's guys. They Wisconsin doesn't have a great big to guard Hunter. And uh, their guards, uh, aside from Davis, aren't especially good. Davison runs off screens, but that's the kind, of, the kind of matchup that Eli is very good at. Eli is very good at following people coming off screens and stopping them from, from getting shots. So to me, it's whether or not uh, they can stop Davis. And the, problem, the one problem they're going to have is if they're putting Musa on Davis, then Tyler Wall, who's turned into a pretty good player this year, is going to wind up with Caleb Houston on him. And the question is whether Caleb Houston's going to get abused inside uh, in that matchup. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of zone against Wisconsin. They have not shot the ball very well all year. Uh, and, you know, uh, matchup, matchup zone as it will, but you will see a lot of zone against Wisconsin. Hey, Chris, any inside information on Williams? Is he? I, we're asking probably some insider information, but any chance Williams plays against Wisconsin? Day-to-day is what we're okay. hearing. So okay. nothing serious, and he should be back. But uh, I liked how they played without him last night. Yeah. Now you need all hands on deck, like John Howard always says. So, uh, And he's had some games this year where he's been a difference maker. There have been yeah. times when he's been a liability. So you never really know what you're going to get from him the way it's been with Brandon Johns as well. That's just yeah. a fact of the matter. But – um, but I do like the way they're playing together, guys. If I had, you know, if you asked me today, if you'd asked me after Ohio State, I'd said, well, you know, we did a poll on the on the board at our message board, and we asked people, is Michigan going to make the tournament? 70% said no, or 75% said no, and 25% said yes. Today, I'm guessing it would be the other way around, and I'm guessing if they lose to Wisconsin, it's going to be the other way around again, so you never know what you're going to get. But I will say this. They've won four of the last six, played Purdue to uh, really – nose to nose in West Lafayette. I think this team is playing good enough basketball that they're going to make the tournament. And then after that, boy, if they play with some confidence, who knows? Well, right now, uh, Gumbo, Gumbo on the Ford, who's very good at this, uh, has a post up this morning. And right now, Michigan's in. If the tournament were picked today, I don't see any doubt about the fact that Michigan's in. It's in on the athletic. It's in on a Lenardi. Uh, I suspect when Bracket Matrix goes up tomorrow with today's picks, uh, Michigan will be in on that. 
uh, and fairly comfortably in, I think, as well, which doesn't mean that they can't lose four out of the next six games and wind up out. Uh, but frankly, it doesn't mean that they can't improve the seating either. Right now, they're about a 10, which gives them a fighting chance to win a first-round game. And you win a first-round game and you get to the second round. This is a team which, as we've seen, can go 3 of 22 from 3, but it can also go 12 of 22 from 3. And if it goes 12 of 22, if it has an Indiana game, if it has a Purdue game, if it has a game, a Maryland game, uh, there's a lot of teams it can be. Yeah, and if you uh, it just takes in a tournament setting, it takes maybe one guy to get hot. Maybe Caleb Houston starts shooting forty percent. Remember Glenn Rice in '89. I'm not saying yeah. there's a Glenn Rice on yeah. this team, guys, but there have been stretches where you know four or five games a guy gets hot, and you're like, okay, um, things are really heating up here, and a guy like that can carry you. So or guys Dickinson. will do this. Yeah, good. Or Hunter Dickinson. Yep. I mean, a lot or of Hunter teams Dickinson. do not have a center who could go out and guard. Yeah. That's a good point. If Dickinson's having one of the games where he can shoot the ball like he did against Purdue, like he did against uh, uh, Maryland, like he did against some of the other games that he's had, uh, that's a huge difference. And, and Chris, I, I want to say this. This goes back now to the offensive sets. Holy crap. I mean, compared to where they were against um, Central Florida and Minnesota, where it looked like one of our many kids – um, Colt League basketball games where five guys were standing within one foot of each other in those games. The spacing was terrible. The offensive sets, when we're talking three of 22, five of 22, these are not contested threes. The offense is getting great shots. And again, whether it's coaching staff, whether it's Devontae Jones uh, maturing, whether it's getting a little bit more of hunters touching the ball every time down the post, these are good shots. Those I, I, I'm asking last night, four of 20, can you guys think of a contested three? I think Houston had one from the corner. That was about my – I was about to make my um, shot fake yep. there, Chris. But Houston had one from the corner. It hit the top of the backboard. A guy was flying by him. That was the most contested three. There were wide open threes against Ohio State, yep. too, against Purdue. These were not like we were shooting lights out for no reason. I think the offensive no. sets have been great. They really have. Yeah, and and I think with Hunter Dickinson, I, I he needs about 10 feet. He needs to be able to lean in and take a little Absolutely. time. Yep. I, I don't want anybody within five feet of him when he's pulling yep. that thing because that's when he's making those shots, and, and that's when he should be taking them, kind of like John Teske, right? It was kind, yeah. of, this, kind of a similar thing. So, But, guys, uh, I appreciate it, and we'll do it again in a couple of weeks and hopefully uh, previewing the NCAA tournament, the Big Ten tournament. I'm excited again today about Michigan basketball, the possibility <laughs> of Sunday, there on Sunday. Yeah. But yeah. it's fun to win, guys. And and there's one thing is that this program needs to be uh, in the NCAA tournament on a, just about an annual basis. We even saw it under John Beeline. Some things are going to happen where that's not going to be the case. But I think this is a tournament team, and I think we will see that. But Schillers, appreciate you guys, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Thanks, Thanks guys. Chris. Take it easy. Bye-bye.